0: Welcome to the podcast. My name is Tasha Gendemihaija and I'm your host and I'm also a breast cancer surgeon. In this podcast, I talk to people who are experts in the field of medicine, surgery, as well as the health and wellness space. I also share stories of those who have been affected by breast cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. As we are approaching the end of 2020, which we can all agree it has been a year like no other year, I thought I'd share with you the five things that I have learned um, throughout this year that has completely inspired me, completely changed um, the way I see the world, I see people. And uh, this has, in fact, filled me with hope for the coming year that is 2021. 2021. So 2020 has been an incredibly challenging year for all of us. And the first thing that I've learned from this year is that people are highly adaptable. And what I mean by that is the pandemic came out of nowhere and it affected how we live, how we work, how we love, how we um, maintain relationships. It It's just been a complete curveball. And um, despite that, we have adapted and we have made it work. And this is particularly true for myself in the workplace because the health service had to reconfigure itself in a way that has never been known before. We have never had a pandemic to contend with. We have never had to reconfigure the service in such a massive scale to ensure that we continue to look after the patients that we already have, um, as well as having to look after uh, patients who unfortunately contracted COVID-19 and had to be admitted to hospital. We heard about a rumour of a virus around February time, and in by the end of March, the UK was in complete lockdown. And I remember this because I was actually on annual leave and my annual leave became a lockdown holiday. I couldn't go anywhere. And by the time I returned to work, the workplace had changed significantly. The hospital was slowly but surely becoming overwhelmed by people who unfortunately contracted COVID-19 virus. ITU beds slowly became full. And yeah, we were really, really struggling. So what did this mean? Well, more staff were needed to look after the sick and we needed more nurses, we needed more doctors. Nurses were redeployed from areas where there was lower demand to areas that was higher demand. Retired doctors were asked to come back to help out. So all hands were on deck. And you know what? Most people were very happy to do so because at time of need, everybody would rally around and do what they can. And that was amazing. The other thing that we had to adapt to was to wear PPE. And, you know, that was quite difficult to begin with because we had to wear a mask, apron and gloves when we see patients every single time. So in between patients, we would take off our apron and gloves whilst keeping the mask on. You know, obviously we would wash our hands, but say we would be seeing, I don't know, you know 10 to 15 to 20 patients in the clinic every single time we would have to do that and that was a very challenging thing to do to begin with you know it's not ideal to wear masks anyway when you see uh, patients because it's very um it's very sterile you know you can't see your emotions and it can be intimidating if you if you're coming to a clinic with a worry and you're greeted with somebody in a mask and goggles and apron and gloves. Um, that That's, I'm sure, not a very, it's not a very nice way to be greeted. And yet we had to do that. And that was something uh, we needed to get used to. Another reason why, why I've learned that we are highly adaptable is how we adopted remote working. And, you know, I'm sure you are now very, or most of you are now very versed with how to use Zoom and other remote Um, working softwares like Microsoft Teams. Um, But, you know, at the start of the pandemic, most of us would not have even heard of Zoom. And remote working was definitely something we needed to get used to. At the start of the pandemic, we needed to make sure that we knew how to work the software. Face-to-face meetings didn't happen. And meetings that we would normally have every week, such as the multidisciplinary team meeting, was Held remotely. So we would all be scattered around the department in different rooms um, individually, and we'd be talking to each other via um, a remote working software. And that was really weird and very different, but yet we had to adapt. And, you know, it worked, although it was quite difficult to begin with. There were a few glitches, and, you know, like all tech, you always find glitches and things that can go wrong. But um it's something that we're we're very used to now and you know I think remote working is something that may stay for some of us. And yeah, for you know, for a lot of us, remote working has become the norm. And um that's something that we have to get used to quite quickly. So yeah, um the first thing that I've found throughout this year, what I learned throughout this year was that people are highly adaptable. The second lesson I learned was that People who work in the healthcare sector are truly amazing. And this is not because I'm one of them, um, far from it, but it you know, so many people work in the healthcare sector from hospitals to care homes to residential homes. And, you know, there's a variety of people who work in it from from porters to cooks to cleaners to administrative staff to doctors, nurses, secretaries, lab workers, people who work in theatres, you know, there's just so many and too many to mention really. But I have to say I, I felt immense pride and I was so, I have been so proud to be part of the healthcare sector throughout this year because, you know, it has been an incredibly difficult year for all of us, but especially in the healthcare sector, where we have really felt the uh, this, the strain and the struggles and the challenges. And yet, every day people will turn up to work as if it's a normal day, and there's the the threat of a virus around us constantly. You know, uh, lots of people are working at the the front end of this pandemic. And to me, these healthcare workers are absolute heroes. They go to work, they make sacrifices, they put their lives at risk to help others. And yeah, they're absolutely, absolutely amazing. And whilst we are ending the year, um, unfortunately, it looks like the pandemic is rearing its ugly head again um, with the new with the new variant of the, the virus has meant that infection rates gone, gone up. Um, hospital admissions are definitely going up. And, and this at this moment of recording, which is the end of December, I think we are already surpassing the numbers of admissions um, compared to the start of the pandemic in spring. So this increase in, in admissions to hospitals... Uh, the fact that hospitals are already becoming overwhelmed, um, you know, the, the there's a swathe of healthcare workers who um, themselves have lost loved ones, um, themselves have been sick, um, and yet they will still continue to work. So yes, I have to say that the healthcare profession has been truly, truly amazing. The third lesson I've learned this year is that people can be so kind. The kindness of strangers uh, has been truly amazing. And, you know, we've all seen this through the pandemic, actually. Many people would reach out to strangers and do the most amazing and touching things for each other. And that has really touched me. And little things, you know, like I remember going to work and then suddenly a pizza delivery would turn up in the department just because, you know, and apparently, you know, this, the, the pizza company just said, look, you guys are doing an amazing job. And we thought we can, you know, spread some cheer by giving you this, you know, a few pizza boxes. So that was that, you know, that's a small gesture, but it meant a huge deal. People would drop things off like, you know, food and sweets and would make us masks, you know, scrubs. It was just amazing. So, yeah, the it has restored my faith in humanity, how kind and generous people have been throughout this year. The fourth thing that I've learned this year is that people are amazingly resilient. This has been a very tough year. and. We know people who have lost loved ones, who have lost um, members of families, colleagues, friends, jobs, livelihoods, and the repercussions of this um, pandemic and this year will continue for many, many years to come. From the breast services point of view, this had a massive impact we were not able to operate on all patients who were diagnosed with cancer at the time. And so we had to make very, very hard decisions as to who we thought needed surgeries first. Now, you all, I'm sure, know that uh, breast cancer treatment involves not only surgery, but also chemotherapy, um, radiotherapy, as well as tablet treatment. And so many patients who we were not able to treat uh, with an operation as their first line of treatment, were given other forms of treatment to begin with. So um, anybody who had an invasive breast cancer were being treated, may not have had surgery as the first line of treatment, but they still were being treated. So that was so important for us to to do and to make sure that all patients continue to receive treatment um, in one form or another. The Patients who had benign conditions, however, we were not able to operate, unfortunately. And so they had to be deferred to later on in the year. And similarly, we had to suspend any form of immediate breast reconstruction. So anybody who had been recommended to have a mastectomy as part of their cancer treatment and wanted an immediate breast reconstruction, whether that be an implant based reconstruction or an autologous base reconstruction, unfortunately, we were not able to offer that to them. And this would have been, you know, a huge blow for anybody who wanted an immediate breast reconstruction. So they had to have a simple mastectomy and then wait for a delayed reconstruction later on. I know that some patients who were receiving chemotherapy treatment had to have their treatment modified in some way. Many, many trials that were going on that had to be suspended. So it, you know, it was a really, really tough time for many, many patients who were receiving some form of treatment or who were diagnosed with a cancer diagnosis, but when wasn't able to receive the treatment that they needed in a timely manner. And it was, it must, you know, it was devastating. It was really, really hard. It was hard on the, it was hard on us, the healthcare professionals who had to make these decisions, but more importantly, it was harder for those who were affected. And this must have been really, really hard for um, treatments to be changed, for treatments to be um, deferred, for treatments to be suspended, must have been very, very difficult. and And the amount of strength and resilience that uh, was on show was absolutely amazing. And we also know of staff members, patients who've lost their loved ones, lost their colleagues, family members, lost livelihoods, um, and the amount of suffering that this COVID-19 pandemic has inflicted on so many of us has been absolutely immense. And you hear, you know, heartbreaking stories of people not being able to attend funerals of their loved ones, um, attending the hospital when their loved ones uh, were in ITU and to be there during their last um, few days. It's just heartbreaking. And the amount, as I said, the amount of strength and resilience and fortitude that people have expressed is um absolutely astounding the fifth lesson that i've learnt this year is how people can be resourceful when there is a common aim and i specifically use the example of the race to get the covid-19 vaccine for this So the development of a vaccine normally takes about 10 years. And the reason why it normally takes so long is because there are a number of phases you need to do to eventually get the vaccine approved. Not only that, but you also need many participants and many volunteers to participate in the trial. And of course, there was a huge amount of urgency to get this vaccine because that was the only way out from this pandemic. Of course, there is the track and trace, but complementing that with a vaccine, we would be home and dry. And the fact that the the first UK approved vaccine for COVID nineteen virus, which was the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine, w- um, took ten months from the moment of conception to being approved by the health regulator in the UK. And that is absolutely mind-blowing. 10 months normally takes about 10 years. And, you know, and obviously since then, of course, there are other vaccines um, that have been developed. There's the Moderna vaccine, there's the Oxford vaccine. And, you know, uh, data as of December 2020, data um, has come out to show that they are effective in um, preventing infection. And um, as of today, which is the end of December, nearly, uh, we're still awaiting approval of the Oxford vaccine, which I think is just a matter of time. In the UK, the vaccination uh, programme has started and it is targeting those that are most vulnerable. And that includes the over 80s, uh, residents of care homes, as well as their staff and then, you know, healthcare professions, and then uh, it will uh, roll out to, to the masses. But the fact that a collective effort of amazing scientists from all around the world who had a common aim, which is to get a vaccine for this virus, has yielded, you know, more than three vaccines, which hopefully can end this pandemic maybe in the summer of 2021, we'll have some form of normality. And yep, okay, it's not, you know, it's not around the corner, but it still means that we can see the light at the end of this very long, very windy tunnel. And for that, you know, I am just so amazed and so thankful. And this really has shown to me that uh, people can be so resourceful when there is a common aim. So those were a few of the things I have observed and learnt from the past year. Of course, there were other lessons and events that had inspired me and given me pause for thought. But what I described in this episode were the ones that stood out for me for sure. As we are approaching the end of the year, unfortunately, it looks like the pandemic is starting to become more prevalent yet again. The emergence of a new variant of the virus, which is about 70% more infectious, has led to an increasing number of infections, and this will translate to more hospital admissions. I am anxious that we may end this year and enter the new year and find ourselves in a position very similar to when we started the pandemic in spring. However, despite this trepidation, I remain hopeful. We have studied the virus now for nearly a year and we have more knowledge about how to fight it. We have a wider selection of drugs that we can use and we also have the vaccine. Yes, the vaccine at the moment, well, in the UK anyway, is reserved for those who are deemed at highest risk. And at the moment, that's those who are over 80 care home residents and their staff, and also frontline healthcare workers. Hopefully, mass vaccination will roll out soon, and especially when the Oxford vaccine gets approved, which I'm sure will be very soon, then mass vaccination will become more attainable. And on that note, let's look towards 2021 with great hope. If you haven't done so already, do hit that subscribe button so all the new episodes in the future will go straight into your podcasting app of choice. And I have to say, I've got amazing interviews lined up already for you, so I don't want you to miss those. And if you have a spare few moments, then I'd be grateful if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This makes the show more discoverable to people, so hopefully more people can listen to it and hopefully benefit from it. Also, if you want to check out the show notes, then do head over to www.mybreastmyhealth.com forward slash episode 24. So all that's left for me to say is I wish you all the best for the next coming year and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.